We are in our Lenten series on the unexpected Jesus. We are walking through the Gospel of John throughout our Lenten season, talking about different images of Jesus that we find throughout that Gospel. Pastor Ron kicked us off last week, and this week we are talking about how Jesus is an unexpected teacher in the Gospel of John. As I was preparing this and thinking about different teachers I have had throughout the years, a few faces came to mind of people who have taught me, who loved their subject, but really loved their students too, and so they were able to show up and communicate clearly through their actions and their words, and the students were deeply engaged. But there was one teacher in particular that came to mind. Her name was Mrs. Tomlin, and she was my advanced biology teacher when I was in high school. She was someone who loved her subject deeply, to the point that she actually, she had a double helix tattoo on her foot, because she said she loved DNA that much. (laughs) I remember there was one morning where the class and I arrived, and we went inside. It was dark inside the classroom, and she was a somewhat eccentric teacher, so we were all a little bit skeptical as we sat down, and we saw that there were red pens in front of some of the chairs, and on the board it said, if you have a red pen on your lab table, put it in your hair. We're just like, oh gosh, what is she going to do here? And two minutes after the class was supposed to start, a speaker at the front of the classroom started blasting the song Kung Fu Fighting, and Miss Tomlin jumped out of a side door. She was dressed in a full karate outfit, hopped up onto a lab table, and said, today we're learning about immune systems. She was a killer T cell here to chop red pen virus out of our hair. And she... (laughs) She proceeded to leap across the lab tables, karate chopping red pen virus out of our hair. You can see why it made an impression. (laughs) This was one of those lessons that was going to stick with me. She cared about her subjects. She used her actions and her words, and that is what the best teachers do. Will you join me in John 13, verses 1 through 5? Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus is at the end of his ministry here. He knows that his time is coming to a close with his disciples, and so he uses this time to try to communicate the most important lesson that he can think that they need to know. And instead of actually using his words in this moment, he uses his actions, and he gets down and he washes their feet. Now, foot washing isn't really a common practice for us these days. Outside of religious ceremonies, I haven't really seen anyone offering to wash one another's feet in really any other context. But can we agree this morning that that feet are a little bit gross? (laughs) There's a little bit of an ick factor when it comes to feet. It's because they're the things that are carrying us around and doing the work so that we can do whatever it is we need to do. Confession, there are pairs of shoes that I don't allow in my home because they're just a little bit gross. They don't need to be in here. In the ancient world, it would have been much worse. 
because they were wearing sandals with their feet exposed, and they were walking around not on paved paths, but they were walking around in dirt and dust and mud, and they were collecting the grime of the day on their feet. This is why foot washing was incredibly common, because this was about health and sanitation. When you went into someone else's home, you would have your feet washed because they didn't want you carrying in whatever you were carrying in with you into that room. This was a gross job and kind of a dirty job to the point that the person who actually did the foot washing was never a family member or a friend, but the people who did foot washing were servants and slaves in the home because that was the kind of job that they would give to them and they would never ask a family member to get down and wash their feet. This is why it is shocking when Jesus wraps a towel around his waist and he is the one to get down and wash their feet. The disciples had given up everything to follow him. They respected him, revered him, loved him. He was their teacher and their friend. And even more than that, throughout the Gospel of John, he has been communicating to his disciples that he isn't just a good teacher, that he isn't just a good leader, but that he is both fully human and fully God. He is pointing them to the cross over and over and over again, And so in bending down to wash his disciples' feet, Jesus takes an ordinary physical action, washing feet. He makes it extraordinary because he points them forward to the cross. Jesus knows that he is preparing himself to go to the cross where he will shed his own blood to wash them clean, wash their sins clean. And so he says, I'm going to go ahead and get down and wash your feet now to show what I will do to your souls, to show the power that I will have. And he meets them just as they are. They're put off by this in some ways. Simon Peter actually tries to stop him from washing his feet because that power dynamic was so strange. But once Peter understands that this is a symbol of how Jesus is going to wash their spirits completely clean, Simon says, please, not only my feet, but wash all of me, Jesus. Jesus was preparing them for the spiritual work that he was going to do for them on the cross. And so the first point of this morning is that if we are going to follow Jesus' teaching that he embodied in this passage... We have to first be willing to sit down and have our feet washed. This may be kind of uncomfortable, actually, for some of us, to be able to sit down and to admit that that we aren't clean, that we're not all good all by ourselves, but that we actually do need Jesus. We need to admit that there is sin in the world. There is sin in our lives, and sometimes that happens in big ways, but also sometimes that just happens in the mundane, everyday workings of our lives and relationships. Sin has a way of cropping up, and we need Jesus to be the one who cleanses us from that. Recently, I was in a a very busy season. I was in a really busy season, and I got home from work one evening. My daughter's eating dinner, and I just started looking around the house, and then I started, like, really looking around the house. And I just realized that because of the busyness, I had moved past that kind of deep cleaning type stuff that just needed to happen. Like my mirrors, they were just kind of dusty. My baseboards, things that you don't really look at, look at I started to look at. And I, I didn't want to, but then I couldn't help but notice what was going on. So we took a pause and we did a deep, deep clean of our house. 
like sparkly, shiny, everything smelled like lemon. It was wonderful. We cleaned the whole house, and it was beautiful. I looked at my microwave, and there wasn't a single fingerprint on it. And I was like, I'm never using this again. (laughs) But the problem is that in order to live life, we have to continue to walk around and use our appliances. And you know what? Within hours, it took hours, things started to just get messy again. I think more often than not, for many of us, this is how sin works. It may not be one big, large fall moment, which that does happen too, but often it's just the everyday accumulation where we bump up against each other and where sin can creep into our lives in mundane, everyday kind of ways. I think of this happening in things like covetousness, which is not something that we talk about all that often, but being in conversation with someone and hearing about this new beautiful home that they have, thinking, gosh, that would be nice. Or being on social media and seeing a family and just thinking, oh, they look so perfect. That, that kind of sin can creep in and jealousy and covetousness can take root. And it's something that we don't even really get called out for. We don't really think about all that much. But God calls us to satisfaction in him. God calls us to lay those kinds of things down before him. There are a million ways that everyday sort of sin can happen, and it is that kind of stuff that we need to be willing to sit in the presence of Jesus and just admit that we need him. Now, when we talk about that kind of evaluating of our lives, when we talk about the reality of sin, one of the beautiful things about our theology, our Reformed theology, is that we don't actually believe that we ever do this apart from God. When we talk about sin in here, we're not saying, oh gosh, we're all sinners and we need to repent and then God will show up and take care of you. What we believe redemptively is that if we even ask the question, if we even start to question our lives or or to think about how we can live out God's call for us in a more beautiful way, if we admit that we need Jesus, we do that because God loves us. God loved us before and he's going to love us after and it is all couched in Jesus's grace for us. We are called to sit in the chair to allow Jesus to wash our feet and offer us refreshment and cleansing for our souls. And Jesus wants to meet us just as we are. Whether this is the first time that you're hearing this or the hundredth time, the first lesson is that we need to receive that washing from Jesus. And then the moment that that happens, we learn the next lesson. Jesus teaches us that we need to become foot washers in the world ourselves. Jesus uses his words to teach this, so please join me me in John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. A new commandment I give to you. This is a beautiful passage and a beautiful command. But I have to tell you, as I was reading it, I just kept getting caught up on one particular word, and that word was new. Because Jesus, as a Jewish teacher and leader, would know that throughout all of the scriptures, throughout the whole of the Bible, God calls his people to love one another. This is foundational in the scriptures. In Leviticus 19.18, which would have been etched on Jesus' mind and heart, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We call this the golden rule, to love your neighbor as yourself. 
So the question is, if, if we are called to love one another, what is new about this particular command? The newness comes in the context in which it was given. While Leviticus tells them to love your neighbor as yourself, what we see is that Jesus tells them to love one another, just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you. The most recent example of Jesus' love that we have seen is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And in fact, before the foot washing episode even takes place, we learn about Jesus' love. Verse 1 of John 13 says, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is all about Jesus' love for us when he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. J. Ramsey Michaels writes that the washing of feet for Jesus epitomized love in action. Once we receive that cleansing of Jesus, once we're willing to sit and have him wash our feet and wash our spirits, once we receive that, we are meant to go out and enact the faith that we have. This is what Jesus calls us to. The unexpected Jesus offers unexpected love by washing his disciples' feet. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus then teaches us to offer that unexpected love to one another. And this type of love is not just a surface level, love your neighbor as yourself type of love, but it's a getting down on the ground and facing each other's feet and washing them selflessly, being willing to show up in real ways for one another. While Leviticus tells God's people to love one another as themselves, Jesus gives us a harder command to love one another as I have loved you. And to put this in action, to talk about what this actually looks like, if I love my neighbor as myself, I treat them as I want to be treated. So for example, if I'm driving down the highway, I don't love getting cut off when I'm driving. So I'll be a respectful driver. I'll let other people merge, I'll wave, I'll be kind, I won't honk as much. And, and as we're driving down the road, I will, I will be kind to them because I would like for them to be kind to me. But that kind of love, if you think about it, is not a deep type of love. What that does is it keeps the peace. It keeps us from harming one another. It keeps, uh, keeps us from wanting to damage one another or retaliate. That is a peacekeeping kind of love that just holds the norm for us. Love your neighbor as yourself can keep the peace, but it can't transform the world. And that is why Jesus raises the bar. He affirms what the Old Testament says, and then he magnifies it. Jesus challenges us to love our neighbors not as ourselves, but beyond ourselves sacrificially, selflessly, to take down our pride, to take down our honor, to take down whatever it is we think of ourselves and to be willing to just show up and love one another just as we are. William Barclay writes that even in the noblest human love, there remains some element of self. We so often think, maybe unconsciously, of what we are to get. We think of the happiness we will receive or the loneliness we will suffer if love fails or is denied. So often we are thinking, what will this love do for me? So often at the back of things, it is our happiness that we are seeking. But Jesus never thought of himself. His one desire was to give himself and all that he had for those he loved. 
Once we experience the foot-washing, cleansing power of Jesus for ourselves, we are called to then get down on the ground and to show this kind of love to one another, to allow our everyday actions to be transformed into service out of love. And this doesn't necessarily take a, a bucket and a scrub brush, because again, foot washing isn't a super common practice in our days, but it also doesn't take the stuff that can sometimes hold us up. We, we don't need to wait to love one another until we get our next pay raise. We don't need to wait to love one another until we get the next degree or certification that we're hoping to get. Or we don't need to own our own nonprofit in order to just show up and love one another well, because that is what we are called to. We are called to rely on the Holy Spirit and to let the Holy Spirit use us when we simply show up. One of my favorite stories of how I've seen this happen took place while I was living down in Nashville. I was a chaplain in Nashville, and I had a friend who was a hospice chaplain. She and I got together one day, and she said that she had recently done a visit with a a woman whose husband had just passed away. And so she goes to this woman's home, and she noticed that the woman's neighbor was there. And he was an older gentleman and was single, and he was standing there, and he looked kind of uncomfortable. And so after a couple of minutes, he just hugged the wife and, and left. So my friend and this woman are having just a nice conversation. They're talking and sharing. And they look outside, and they notice that the neighbor is outside kind of messing with her mailbox. They were like, what is he doing? So the woman goes outside, and she asks him, what are, what are you doing out here? And he looked at her, and she said tears just started flowing from his eyes. And he just said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know what to bring over. And so I saw that your mailbox was broken, and I know how to fix mailboxes, so I just showed up to fix your mailbox. And she started crying and said that it had it broke a few weeks back, but with everything that was happening, she just didn't have time to call anyone. And it was this real moment where a man knew how he was uniquely equipped to show up, to love beyond himself in a way that he didn't need to show up in love, But he felt called to do it, and he allowed God to work in him and minister through him in that moment. Each of us are uniquely gifted and uniquely equipped to offer the love of God. Once we receive that cleansing love of Jesus, we can show up. Whether it's that you're a good cook or good at baking and you can show up with meals and just offer people some nourishment and care when they're going through hard times. Others of you are are strategic thinkers or good problem solvers, and so you can work with people when they're in hard places to help them figure out solutions to the problems that they have. Others of you are just good at listening. You're willing to show up and let people be themselves and, and share just as they are and offer them compassion and care in that. We are called to figure out how God has uniquely equipped us has uniquely gifted us to show up in love, to offer that foot-washing, love-beyond-ourselves kind of love to one another. We're called to do this individually, and what happens is when we do this individually and come together as a community, God can use that faithfulness. The Holy Spirit can be at work in big ways through our communities to do some world transformation type of stuff. I love that Moyo Mubotu is happening this morning because that is what we have seen through this congregation showing up, offering love beyond ourselves and just praying that the Holy Spirit would use it to bring transformation and hope in another community. Over the last 10 years, 
From CPC alone, we have sponsored 750 children in the community of Moyo, Zambia. 750 children. And it can be hard to wrap our minds around what that kind of money actually looks like and goes to, but a few of the things that have happened in the last 10 years. We have built a clinic and hospital for them. We have provided laboratory supplies for the high school. We have provided access to clean water. Training for community health workers who go to women's homes and ensure that new mothers and babies and children have access to medical care and to nutrition. These are huge, large-scale ways that the Holy Spirit uses the faithfulness of individuals, brings them together as a community, and produces transformative, sacrificial love in another community. Jesus is an unexpected teacher in John 13. He first teaches us to sit back in the chair, to face the imperfections and the sins in our lives, to recognize that we need to rely on him for any washing and cleansing that we have of our sins. And if you have never just had an opportunity to sit with Jesus in prayer, just exactly as you are, I want to invite you and to tell you that Jesus is waiting and that his love and grace will go before you and will go after you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you've been in a relationship with Jesus for a long time, this is a common practice that we are called to, to regularly evaluate how are we aligning ourselves with Christ? How are we fulfilling the mission and calling that he has given us? And then once we receive that cleansing refreshment, Jesus teaches us through his words to love one another with the type of love that he offers us. And this is not a love that's transactional, that's give and take. This isn't a surface level or just peacekeeping type of love that we are called to, but we are called to a deep, sacrificial, selfless, transformative love. And this is the type of love that can change our lives and our communities and even our world when the Holy Spirit shows up and uses us to wash people's feet. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you sent your son into the world. God, we thank you that even in his final hours with his disciples, he showed that he was a servant, that he would get down and wash our feet with water and our lives with his blood, that we can find cleansing through him and new life and resurrection through him. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and whether it's that we need to be sitting back and having real time with you, having time to evaluate where we're at in our spiritual journey or whether it is time for us to be catalyzed, for us to be sent out and commissioned to spread your love, your sacrificial love and to wash one another's feet. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit move in this place. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.